turn in the back of the book to page 330. Now on page 330, we have the layout of LiPo. What I've done for you here on 330 is I have Guy actually laid this out from the standpoint of the stems and the focuses. See, I haven't laid it out by time or so-called tense or whatever. I've got it laid out by focus. So look at the very top of the page here. Now track with me. Look up here, please. Right up here, upper left, it says aspect or focus. All right? Connection. What is the common name for that stem? The so-called present stem. But I put it in quotes because it doesn't have to be in the present. What principal part is it? It's the first principal part. What's the stem look like, guy? Lipe. And now there are active and middle voice forms. Now I want you to notice something. As you look down the first two columns, guy, do you notice that under past time, the so-called imperfect, all those forms are augmented on the front, li pun, and so on like that. But What's above it, non-past time, is not augmented. And everything below it, subjunctive, optative, imperative, infinitive, none of those have any augments on them. See? Now go to page 331 facing. Look at the aspect or focus action. In fact, look what I've done on my book. Maybe you guys want to do this, is draw a vertical line here between, after the third column. Draw a, draw a line after the third column all the way down. No, between sixth and fourth. Yeah, after the third column. Now, Guy, what happens here is this. Under the a focus on action, the common name is aorist. The principal part is third, except we use some sixth principal part forms to fill in. And we'll talk about that in chapter 11. That's coming up, so we don't have to worry about that right now. The stem is essentially the lip stem. And now, and this is key now, if you're looking at this chart, there's nothing here. There's a big blank. The reason that there's a big blank is this. That's this blank right here. Now, under the big blank is what you learned, Guy, when I was lying to you. You see the forms, elepon, elepes, elepe, with the augment on the front. Here's the key, Guy. Look under that pastime to subjunctive, optative, imperative, infinitive. Do you see all those lip stem forms with no augment on them? See, there's the stem with no augment. And you're going to find all those forms. What will those be? Not action in the past because there's no augment on the front. Only focus. See, only focus. So if you'll take a look once more up here, look the, uh, at the other thing I've done with my book. 
I've put a big cigar or balloon around these forms that are here where past time. You see over on the left where it says imperfect, extending all the way over to where it says pluperfect on the other side? Well, just for that past time, put that big balloon around there like that. All the way across to 331 and back up and around. Just around past time, that's all. Now, when you get that balloon in there, now I want you to just take a look at this next thing. This is critical. Inside the balloon, all the forms have augments on the front and secondary endings. Right? Outside the balloon, nothing has an augment. See? And so, this illustrates the point that I'm making here. Essentially, pastness is just a version of the stem. See? It, that gets you into the balloon. If you're not, this, the balloon is right along here. If you're not there, any use of the stem has nothing to do with the past and is oriented solely on focus. It's oriented solely on focus. Focus on connection, intention, action, or resultant state. This set of charts on 330 and 331 is exceedingly important to understand the basic conceptuality of the verb. That it's not oriented toward time, but toward focus. And that the minute you take, uh, you take a stem and you don't augment it and put secondary endings on, it ain't in the past. Even if it's the aorist. It's not in the past then. So, what is absolutely critical in terms of the chart that I have on the board for you here is what I have come to call the golden right angle. And that is this. This is the first principal part. This is the third principal part. I'm going to box the stem. This is non-past. This is past. All right, now, here is the golden right angle. When you move vertically, you are changing time. When you are moving horizontally, you are changing aspect or focus. I'm going to say that again. When you are going vertically, you are changing time frame. When you are going horizontally, you are changing aspect or focus. So, L-Lipun, the so-called imperfect, 
All the books call it this. We know better, guy. We should really rename that. This is the focus on connection stem in pastime. That's what it is. So it's I was leaving, I used to leave, I habitually left, I did leave, I tried to leave, I began to leave, any of those kinds of uh, expressions. Now, the difference between I was leaving and I am leaving is time. I am leaving, I was leaving. The difference between I was leaving and I left is focus, not time. They're both in the past. And it's worth saying at this point, it's worth saying that the so-called imperfect that we're getting with this lesson is not any less or more past than the aorist. It's not like this. Here you have present. Then eh, a little bit of past is the imperfect. And then eh, a little bit more past is the aorist. No, no, no. The present is in the present time. The imperfect and aorist are both in the past. But one focuses on the connection between the person and the activity, and the other focuses on the activity itself. So uh, notice these differences in English. If I say, when I went downtown at 2 o'clock yesterday, I saw the robbery take place. When I went downtown at 2 o'clock yesterday, I saw the robbery take place. All right? There's a kind of an aorist expression. Here's an imperfect. When I was going downtown, at 2 o'clock yesterday, I saw the robbery take place. Well, now, when I was going downtown, now me and the activity of going are much more in focus. You can actually, in your mind's eye, sort of see me driving or something like that, as opposed to when I went downtown at 2 o'clock, I saw the robbery take place. Now, now what? I went downtown, I saw the robbery. I'm focusing on activity. But when I say, when I was going downtown at 2 o'clock, notice I put 2 o'clock in so that we all know it's the same thing. I saw the robbery take place. Now I am focusing on myself connected to the activity. And neither activity is more or less past. When I was going downtown, when I went downtown at 2 o'clock. They, they're all at 2 o'clock. So, this will focus on act. This focuses on person and act. Now, let's take a look back in chapter 9. We've got a couple of more things to take a look at. Then we'll take our break. Take a look, please, at page 70. Page 70. Top of the page. The imperfect may focus upon the following kinds of perceived connection between doer and activity. Continuous. Elion. I was loosing. Habitual, elion, I used to lose every day. Three, inceptive or beginning, I began to loose the horse when they showed up. A connection was established. Four, conative, trying, 
I tried to lose. You know, in other words, I worked at losing something. I was putting myself into the, making a connection. Five, repetitive, elion, I repeatedly lose. And six, emphatic, I did lose. Horror of horrors, Wendell. Only context will determine which of the six possibilities is most appropriate in a given case. So there's plenty of room for interpretation here, plenty of room. Uh, you know, when it says uh, uh, in our first Bible passage here uh, in Acts 12, which talks about the word of the Lord was growing, it could be was growing, continued to grow, began to grow. There's all kinds of possibilities, and the context is going to kind of determine that. Context is going to determine that. Now, if you don't pick up the expression of aspect, that is hacking. Okay? Hacking is to under-translate and to simply, like a cat with concrete paws, go tromping through the text, not, see, not taking your people to the game, but condemning them to a small black and white TV. All right? You've got to be able to do this. And we don't want any weasel translations, which are intended to kind of minimize whether or not you know about that. So he, he comes out. The last thing that I have to tell you is this. Some of you may have noticed that I was studiously using the strong verb for the presentation today. It's not that the weak verb has anything irregular. It's that the strong verb really illustrates this so well with the identical terminations on the end. I'm going to go over here and erase this first board here. And let me put up for you what it looks like when you're doing a weak verb. For Leo and so this is non-past. This is past. Leo and we've had Elisa. Well the imperfect is going to look like this because we are putting on there, Elion, we are putting on normal augment on the front, normal connecting vowel, normal secondary ending. Okay? Elion, Elias, Elie, Eliamen, Eliete, Elion. <clears throat> so, note the contrast when you look over here. Now, I, I just want you to take a look at this. In many ways, this is a lot easier to identify because you can see here that sigma at the end of the stem and then the alpha following. And here you have this. And a number of students think, oh my gosh, this strong aorist is so much harder because it looks like the imperfect. It's actually the wrong way around. The fact of the matter is, this is correct. 
Here, you have identical connecting vowels and endings. What's the difference between the two forms, Steve? Only what? Stem. That's because stem determines focus. See? It shouldn't be that there are different endings on there that are involved with the different focus. It should be that there are just different stems determining the different focus. So again, this is much more normal, much more helpful, and if you understand the strong aorist, it's really much more insightful as to how this thing works. By the way, most books, most books give you the imperfect before the aorist, books other than mine. I think there's a real problem with that because then when the second or strong aorist comes along like that, then it looks like, uh, you know, it's so strange when in, as a matter of fact, it's actually very normal. And this way you get out of people's minds the notion that aorist is past. That's what you got to fight. You've got to fight the notion that aorist means past time. Aorist means focus on the action. And if I augment it, it's in past time. That's why, as Guy properly said, we had this giant lie going in uh, introducing the aorist as past time. I, you know, in a past time version. Think of it like this. Here's another way to say this, Wendell. If instead of introducing the present tense, I had begun with the imperfect, would you then thereby think that the lip stem is inherently past? See, well, there'd be a danger of that happening. Well, it'd be silly, though. It'd be silly because you can make the present tense off of that. So. Uh, you gotta, when you're dealing with Greek, you must cut loose from the idea that time is a primary consideration. It is not. Focus is a primary consideration. So here's the way you got to think. When I see augments and secondary endings, I'm in the past. When I don't, I'm not in the past. I'm... Uh, you know, and, and, and both forms are involving focusing. Both are involving focusing. What we've got here then is a very, very important lesson on the layout of the Greek verb and how, how this is going to be critical in your interpretation of the scriptures. You know, there are imperatives, there are imperatives, as I put up there before, that are aorist. They are not imperatives in the past. They're imperatives focusing on activity. There are imperatives that are the so-called present tense. They are not focusing in the present. Imperative can't focus on the present. If I say get out of the chair, I'm talking about future. See? So it's got nothing to do with the so-called tense name. Now that's why from this point onward in the chapter, here, let's take a look on page 71. And we'll conclude here and then we'll take our break. Page 71 at the very bottom.
called afterword. <clears throat> it can now be observed that the term tense is quite misleading and almost useless. The word itself means time, but verb forms in the indicative mood convey both a focus relative to action or aspect and time. Thus present tense is focus upon connection and present time. Imperfect tense is focus upon connection and past time. Aorist tense is focus on the action and past time and so on. For future reference, Verb forms outside the indicative mood, such as infinitives, participles, subjunctives, will not convey time at all, only focus relative to action or aspect. So that for them, any talk of tense will be unrelated to time, and therefore, strictly speaking, inappropriate. From this point onward, then, when the names of the so-called tenses occur in quotation marks, like present, aorist. It means that no factor of time is to be attached to the forms in question. So, so, I, so in other words, it will go like this. I would write down that this is present indicative. All right? And I won't put quotes around it because it involves time. But if I take the infinitive, I would say that it is the present infinitive and put it in quotes because it has no relationship to time. It is only focus. But that's sort of the common way. And as a matter of fact, If I were king of the world, we would change this. We would not have this kind of talk about present. We would change that to say focus or connection or something like that. So this is uh, what what happens here is I am fighting conventional vocabulary. I'm fighting conventional vocabulary. So to talk about, let's say, a present imperative is sort of stupid because all imperatives are for action in the future. But see, everybody calls them that. It's really focus on connection imperative, not present imperative.